0: Welcome to the Adversity Psychologist Podcast, a podcast incorporating narratives about facing and navigating adversity, a mixture of people, their experiences, and professional psychological discussion. I'm Dr. Tara Quinturillo. I'm a qualified and regulated psychologist with over 20 years experience of mental health, disability, and human behavior. I want to share people's stories of navigating adversity in the hope that through being heard, a dose of compassion and some understanding, we can help others in the face of adversity too. Hi, I'm Dr. Tara Quinchabillo, and I'm the adversity psychologist. And I'm so excited today. I have from the USA, Valley Evans, with me. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what's brought you on the podcast today. Oh, sure.
1: <laughs> well, I am also excited to be here. I'm a behavioral psychologist. I'm um, a very specialized psychologist called a behavior analyst. And um, behavior analysts are um, very interested in understanding the contexts of problems and yeah. um, approaching um, barriers like motivation and um, integrating solutions into daily life. So, a very um, practical, applied yeah. form of psychology. And in um, the last few couple years, I um, have been using my own personal life to inspire me. And that led me to develop a weight loss app called No Way.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. And it was inspired by um, my own experience with counting calories and using um, diets to um, try to become more reconnected with myself.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And I was um, at the time um, that I was developing it, I was um, recovering from surgery. I just yeah. had um, my third baby and I felt completely um, disconnected is the word you'll keep hear me, hearing me say, yeah. just not yeah. like myself, yeah. you yeah. know, like not um, feeling like me and wanting to do something about that. And I, um, so you know, I think we all have things that we go to when we're feeling that way. You know, whatever yep. our go to is, and my go to, I know, yep. yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is was um, was engaging with diet programs. You know, app, apps on my phone. So I um, went down that road, and I just. I wasn't, I wasn't coming at it from a place like I need to lose weight. I'm dissatisfied. I was coming at it differently at that point. I was, I was looking for something I wanted to feel better. And that difference really, um, highlighted for me how, um, I guess difficult and all-consuming these. I was going to say intolerable, but I know for me they were. I know they're very helpful. Um, the counting and the writing and the the logging, it does make you feel good like you're doing something about the problem, but it's yes. a very short-term solution. So my solution is um, much more about approaching what you want than avoiding An unpleasant situation and going about it in a more positive empowered sort of way which is what caught my attention
0: Um, oh yeah I'd love to come and have you on and talk about this a little bit more because I do work with patients around eating and overeating and their relationship with food and there are themes that resonate with myself with other people that I know in my personal life as well as people I work with and they're kind of perpetual cycle and the guilt and the shame that come if you don't stick with something. So I thought, fantastic. Have somebody on who really knows about human behavior. and just to try and turn that on its on its head. that's really
1: exactly fun. that's exactly it you and you you got right to it with the shame. yeah, and yeah. that's the starting point is I feel shame, and I want to feel not this feeling anymore. You're running away from something. And when you use that type of motivation, it can be good at getting you started and motivating you to, to stand up and try to find a solution yeah. but yeah. it's not sustainable it doesn't sustain you through the solution what happens is you do a little something and then you start to feel better and then your your shame diminishes which is good but because you're using that to motivate you your motivation also diminishes and that's when this these cycles happen and if you look back on your life, you might see yeah. the cycle, you know, occurring over and over with um, with problems such as trying to stop a habit or um, something like trying to lose weight.
0: And then when you say how that shame then, because once we sometimes start noticing, some of us don't notice those baby patterns. So I'm hoping today people will learn maybe how to spot that or mm-hmm. we'll begin to spot that. But also when you do start to notice, sometimes then you can have feelings about the fact you've noticed, if that makes sense. Like, oh gosh, I always do this. I always sign up for things and I don't finish. And I think that's then where we get into that kind of guilt and shame territory. Mm-hmm. I don't finish things. What's the point? And some people can get a bit deflated, don't you think? A bit low. You know, and I wonder what that then does. Then yeah, action.
1: exactly. Exactly. Our mood is such a big part yeah. of our day yeah. and our decision making.
0: Yeah.
1: I like to say you can't fix a bad mood with a bad mood. You have to yeah. be able to change your point of view. And that's the idea with behavior analysis that you're kind of zooming. I like to say zooming out, like you're yeah. kind of floating above yourself yeah. and you're observing what's occurring as it's occurring. And that allows you an opportunity to use some objectivity. And you can still have the experience while being objective about it and looking at it from a problem-solving point of view. So I wonder if that almost um,
0: takes away the kind of hooks of guilt and shame because you're just looking at a situation more neutrally. Is that right? exactly like a a kind of a drone just hovering over this is what's happening rather than this is what I'm doing or not
1: doing I love the drone visualization that's exactly it yeah and then you can see the context when you look at it that way you can see what you're doing where you're coming from you know um if for Many people, if you just like reflect on your day, there's probably a time of day that's a little more difficult for you or maybe a couple times a day where there's just like a, you know, how is this 90 minutes of my day difficult, you know, it tends to be more difficult than the rest of my day. And how is my mood during that time? And how did, you know, I get in that mood and how do I typically respond when I'm feeling that way? And do I like that response or do I want to try something different? And it just, it sets you on a path towards problem solving where you don't have to take, you don't have to take it personally. You know, you don't have to beat yourself up and feel bad. You can yeah. just take a step forward.
0: So when it comes to something I'm like wondering whether we can use diet,
1: eating, weight,
0: as kind of an example then in your experience and working with people looking at behaviorism. What do you think of the roadblocks around eating and the relationship with weight and the kind of circle, the circle Mm -hmm. of shame and guilt? Because I think that's something that will probably resonate with most people listening at some point in their lives about their weight, their body, their Mm -hmm. eating habits. and, and, And as you say, the things that trigger off our eating habits.
1: Yeah. Well, there tends to be this very rigid idea that there's one way to approach weight loss. Yes, and yes. that I say it's an accounting approach to a behavioral problem. Yes. And that if you want to change your weight, you need to weigh yourself often, you need to change your your experience with eating. You know, you're not eating is a very emotional, personal, cultural. It yeah. it's It's a pleasant yeah. experience. But if you want to lose weight, you can't have that pleasant experience, you need to, you need to measure your salad dressing, you need to budget your week so you can eat pizza on Friday, you need to um, (laughs) write down, you know, as you're eating, you need to reflect on the numbers, and um, how they're going to affect your, your, um, you know, daily allowance. And then at the end of the day, you have, you're playing this numbers game all day. And then you have your success or failure. Did you meet the, um, you know, did you meet the calorie allowance or did you go above it or, or points or carbs or whatever we're talking about? It's all the same thing. It's a restriction approach to, um, to this problem of really has more about more to do with patterns of responding.
0: Yes. Good point.
1: So I think we're going about it one way um and i would and the way we're going about it is not really fitting with the problem the solution and the problem are a little bit of a mismatch and then it's also not um sustainable you can't expect to count everything you know for the rest of your life when does it end yeah so it's got energy
0: intense isn't it More monitoring writing analyzing responding yeah.
1: to yes Yes, yep. it's. I mean, it. It kind of takes over your day. It. Our. Our attention is really, our time is so valuable. What's more valuable than mm-hmm. your time? You yeah. know, that's all. That's all you really have. So, what you're attending to in your day is how you're spending your time, and if um, you're engaging with a diet app, you're going to be on your phone. You're going to be disconnected from the experience of eating. You're going to be distracted by counting and the adding and subtracting and, and the worry that goes with that. And it really does more to disconnect you from mm-hmm. your experience of daily life than to um, engage you, which is what we really want. We want to be more engaged with our lives, not less.
0: So I was just thinking about where's the value? in or value-based living when you're really dominated you know cognitively dominated as well and perhaps even you don't know, really get emotionally triggered some people do when they notice that they have or haven't gone over their allowance and you know there's quite a lot of other psychological factors there that might then take you away from what really matters that day and enjoying that meal out with someone in the company that you might like or that family dinner I don't know you know or just mm-hmm. something you've taken the time to make and want to enjoy eating but your brain is then hooking with Something else perhaps. I haven't this isn't an okay or like, this is over my mm-hmm. limit or I'm failing by having this. Um so how what can we do then to create a core shift? So someone's listening now going, I get this. Mm-hmm. What's that next step? That's where we're gonna kind of go now in terms of how do you see that?
1: <laughs> well, I I see it what, what you just said about value and yeah. starting there and thinking about authenticity oh. and what, what I will mean by that is finding um, confidence that you can make decisions and change your patterns of responding to feel more like you. And if you're rather than running away from something, if you're trying to feel more like you and have a more valuable experience, have more value in your life enhancing those things that are important to you, yeah. then um, it will just come more naturally. And what yeah. more specifically that could mean is understanding the function of yeah. the, the eating responses that are excessive. So for example, I, I often feel tired. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. And throughout our day, we're gonna we're gonna fall into slumps. You know, for me, it's about two p.m. in the afternoon, and I'm just hitting a wall. You know, and <laughs> that resonates
0: with um, a lot of people. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and um, that is one of the times when I am going to be more likely to snack because it wakes yeah. you up. It wakes you up. It it is effective. It's an adaptive response. It works, but it's not a response that is helpful to the other goals that I have for myself or the other things I want for my life. So becoming aware of that pattern provides an opportunity to do something differently or even sometimes just recognizing, just saying, wait a second, I feel tired right now. So let me think about that and not engage yeah. in this automatic response that I'm just kind of you know I'm auto- on autopilot when we're engaging with our habits we're they're just we're just <sighs> so letting well. them lead us through our day
0: but like I would say so over here biscuit tins big thing in most UK kitchens <laughs> especially if you've got kids okay and sometimes you can find your hand in the biscuit jar or the biscuit tin without even realizing that your hand is in the biscuit jar and to me that's always that Really good example of mindless eating and just automatic behaviors where we're just not conscious <laughs> enough right. of what we're doing, you know, and creating that daylight between your urge, you know, the function, the behavior, and then what you're doing. It can be hard though sometimes. us. you mentioned you're a parent; it could be hard when you're doing a lot
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: to then be present, can't it?
1: Yeah, very hard. <laughs> and when we're, you know, if we're tired or we're stressed, yeah. then our ability to make decisions outside of our regular habits becomes compromised. And we, you know, the important, I think this is so important is the leaving alone the all or nothing thinking, you know, when we, when we want to approach a problem that we think is difficult, there's a tendency to say, just tell me what I need to do you know, just set me on this straight path. And I'll, you know, and then if I, you know, if it ever derails, then I'll throw my hands in the air and walk away. But if you look at it from a learning approach, that I'm going to relearn something that is, this isn't working for me. And I want to relearn something about how I live my daily life. Then, you know, when When someone's learning to do something, they don't quit when they make a mistake. The mistake is actually information so that they can um, use that to understand how to adjust their approach and they're getting feedback from their environment rather than looking at it from a, okay, well, this is over now. You know, I knew I was going to fail and here I am.
0: More kind of definitive. I'm sure we're all guilty of that at times, aren't we? You know, what's the point? I always liked the um, pre-pandemic over in the UK, you used to get the kind of January adverts, come and join the gym, yeah, you know, all these offers. So you'd always sign up every year. And then by February, March, you start getting the text messages. Oh, we haven't seen you in a while. Oh, you haven't been here. And then you'll start, rather than going, oh, what's happening here? Why am I not engaging? Maybe the value isn't mm-hmm. in the gym. Maybe the value of my health is running, or I don't know, a class, mm-hmm. something different. We just tend to literally go into that this is what I do, what's the point, I always let myself down, da 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 mm-hmm. and then we'll just ignore. And I always think that's a really good example where you're not present enough to go, actually, what is the problem here, rather than just beating myself up because I haven't gone to the gym, and maybe the gym isn't for me. <laughs> that's why I'm not going, rather than that I'm a terrible person and don't follow through with stuff. Um, that's a perfect is-
1: example, yeah. And it's because it's the same with these diet programs. It's, yes. it's They're not yeah. – they're not sophisticated they're just it's a calculator
0: yes yeah and I think that's important for people maybe to think about is that something you can elaborate on a little bit so you know people I don't mind if we put diet apps out of business that aren't (laughs) the best ones um but you know what is it where are these diet apps going wrong the ones that don't work the ones that have the wrong philosophy what is it that they are kind of instilling um, in people (laughs)
1: Um, Well, they're having you focus on forcing change. Yeah, It's forced. You know, this idea of willpower, it's – listen to that willpower. It sounds like you're forcing something too big through a little hole, you know, (laughs) that you're just going to make it happen because it has to plow through it. And they're asking you to just – just um just don't eat as don't eat this much, you know. Just it's so loud. simple. Yeah. <laughs> just stop. You Darn know. It, I missed that and, one. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, you know, I mentioned measuring salad dressing and I, I remember, yeah. you know, trying to engage with a, a diet app and measuring salad dressing and just thinking, I made myself this beautiful salad. You know, I took the time, I remember what? to pick up everything at the market. It's it's delicious, has protein on it. You know, I, I toasted some croutons, whatever. It's, it's beautiful. And now I'm like worried going into it about, you know, how much salad dressing I'm putting on it like that. It's not making sense. You know, yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing something for me. I'm showing myself love. I'm eating something healthy. And that's what I want to focus on. Not becoming obsessed with the details And discouraged by, you know, an extra slice of pizza I didn't plan to eat, or whatever it is.
0: Kind of element of pleasure that came to me then that you're removing. And as you say, food can be important to a lot of people and pleasure behind it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What I want to come on to then is how we can begin to start to create change. Then, so you have come up with a diet app called No Way, which I'm really, really interested in because it steps outside that mould. all the other behavior or so-called behavior related apps that actually I think and if you've said it's not it's not right it's not the right fit for people what is it
1: that you've created because I'm really super interested in this the app is all about teaching people this behavior analytic point of view yeah and when um when users first download no way they interact with some short interactive applied modules where they learn about not just about behavior analysis yeah but how to apply it to this particular problem right and one of the very first things they're asked to do is called rule breaking and rule breaking is two things first it's recognizing patterns in your life this yeah. is a tendency that you have. And it doesn't have to be related to food. It could be. Um, Something like snacking at night or taking seconds, um, cleaning up dinner and grabbing a few extra bites, eating while you Mm. cook, snacking when you're tired. Um, But also non-food related things like judging the way your body looks, other people's bodies hiding behind clothes, you know, um, or even just emotionally, you know, becoming a tendency to become defensive or to focus on the negative. <clears throat>
0: i sure so recognize- everyone listening will have had at some point that be people just going, yep, 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 yep.
1: And then you just do it differently, just one time. Yeah. To no commitment, doing it differently.
0: I find what you do so, so interesting starting to it's that observing isn't it noticing behaviors and so much of what you just said then resonated with me um not just around specific eating behaviors as you were saying it's the other stuff as
1: well isn't it mm-hmm. yeah I love to wear cardigans <laughs> I like to feel cozy you know but sometimes I'm throwing a cardigan on because I feel self-conscious about yeah. the way a shirt fits me yes Yeah. <clears throat> Or um, a tendency to look at other people yeah. and evaluate where you fall with regard yeah. to fitness.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And those are cues. If you can recognize those as information, yeah. that I'm going down yeah. a road that's not helpful. And I'm engaging in responses that aren't going to set me down the path that I intended to go down today. Then you have an opportunity to try something different, you know, just to stop yourself, redirect yourself to a different response. Yeah. And see how you feel after, you know, you, you'll probably become more engaged with your day. You'll probably feel better about um, your goals and your work towards them. And then it frees you up and you're no longer in that habit trance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that phrase. Mm-hmm. There's something there about almost creating daylight, isn't there, between a given moment and all your stuff that shows up, your thoughts, feelings, behaviors, urges. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a press pause button is needed. What is this and how am I wanting to or how have I responded And I think that can be quite life-changing for people, being able to do all of that bit. I think a lot of stuff in this modern age, if it's all right to say, it's very much about quick fix, go straight to the doing, get rid of the problem, get rid of the anxiety or the body image or whatever it is that's hooking us. But actually what we need to do sometimes is actually stop and observe it, don't we? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, for a lot of people, that would be a very new way of approaching a kind of problem situation. It's so interesting what you're saying about body image and how that's tied up as well, what we notice about ourselves but also other people.
1: Mm Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the um, the automatic response we were talking about with the biscuit jar. You know, you just you don't even know you're doing it until you feel bad, and maybe that's your cue. Maybe feeling bad is your cue, and you just think back two minutes. What was I doing? What 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 kind of thoughts was Mm -hmm. I engaging in? What kind of um, assumptions? was I making? Yeah. And, um, a big part of the app is this reflection and yeah. there's morning reflections. Yeah. Morning reflections are kind of like checking in with your mood Okay. and how your body feels, how rested you are. And then the evening reflections are more about managing your mood, reflecting on the positive things in your day, recognizing when you were able to break rules and create connections with the context and people of your day. Yeah. And then if you're in a situation, it's all about re- um, recognizing cues. And if, if you're yes. at the end of your day, your body feels like it had too much food and it doesn't feel good. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Then you can use that cue as your body telling you that at some point there was some excess, and use the opportunity to reflect and i'm like okay well it was the afternoon snack you know and i was tired or is the the evening snacking and i did that because it made me feel connected to my spouse or it made me feel like i was unwinding and yeah. Yeah. creating distance from the stressors in my day because these are all adaptive responses you know we're yeah. all solving yeah. problems as we go and we just need to do a little maintenance here and there, you know, that this solution isn't one that I want to keep, you know, or one that I can just alter a little bit. And I'm going to, I'm going to feel close to my partner in the evening by sharing a blanket on the couch, you know, and snuggling or making a hot beverage and having that instead taking those, taking the awareness, you know, and creating a, an opportunity to do something differently.
0: Which is so different from a should do, must do goal, that mm-hmm. then we might not attain, and then feel bad about, and then the cycle of guilt and shame. It's it's some of this stuff's very good to kind of draw out for people, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I sometimes do that with people that I, I work with. When you see it visually as well, because um, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if how many people listening might actually have thought, when is the last time I've actually really looked at my relationship with my body? Patterns Mm -hmm. of how many people are even aware whether they've had snacks today or Mm -hmm. what was going on beforehand. Because we are—we're in kind of a digital age now. We're attached to our phones. We're thinking about the next thing, aren't we? It's very high pace, Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think that's part of the the problem now. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes we're eating on the go. So we're both parents. Sometimes, you know, I remember when my children were really tiny. Sometimes you would just be grabbing something to go out of the door with to something else. You know, there wasn't always that time to have your cup of tea hot. quite often mm-hmm. is. you know the amount of times I'd find a cup of tea in the microwave hours later that I would try to heat up again and then had you know you're not that mindful mm-hmm. with what you're doing so in terms of the work you do because you talk about focus on is it common change you talk about you know what are your hopes for people what, what do you want to see in terms of change then in the way that we approach eating our relationship with our bodies what are you hoping for
1: I think that we have become, the tendency is to focus on the problem yeah. and really yeah. think about that problem and try to directly address the problem. Instead, what if you, you began with strengthening the habits that you want to see? Strengthening those. You know, I want to feel healthier. Start with that. i need to pay attention to the way I feel. And you know what? Waking up in the morning and having a big glass of water first thing makes me feel good. It wakes me up. It, yeah. it um, connects me with the way my body feels. Um, eating more vegetables and fruit make me feel differently. You know, you have a burger and fries for lunch versus a salad with, you know, you can have bread with your salad, you can put protein on your salad, you can make that a complete meal. But when you're done with those meals, you feel differently, paying attention to the way it makes you feel. And taking that low hanging fruit, you know, just doing something better for you so you can begin to feel good. And when you're starting out, don't worry about the things that you don't like and want to change. Don't think about, you know, the, the pants you're trying to fit in or the way, you know, what you don't like, start making positive changes and that will create behavioral momentum. And you'll be able to use that when you're up against the bigger habits that you're finding more difficult to break.
0: I like that momentum. You know, it takes the pressure off kind of these very, very concrete goals. And as you say, I loved what you said there, just it's very, very value-based what you do, isn't it? You know, looking about how you feel, what you value, rather than the goal, such as, you know, the size of the clothes that I'm wearing or what the scales are saying, or as we were talking about earlier, how many calories I've had not had today. Um, And we know actually bringing, there's quite a lot of science behind compassion as well, that actually bringing in compassion is really good for us as well. There may be some days where we do overeat or we reach for that bar of chocolate. But what you're saying is it's the noticing that's important. What can I do with that? What You know, what perhaps what the situation was that led me to do that behaviour? Is there anything I can do about that? You know, is it a trigger, Mm -hmm. something we can manage? Or is it something that might just come out of the blue and I've got to be kind if I do (laughs) engage Mm -hmm. in those behaviours? Your app, is it out at the moment? Can people get hold of it in the UK? Is it just in the US? How does it work?
1: Um yeah, you know, I'm working on UK. Um the thing okay, with great. there's different legal yeah, regulations. Yeah, yeah, um, which is I think is probably better for consumers the way they do it in the UK. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> But um yes, and then there's a website that has okay, um blog posts. Me. It's no way.com. And those, um, those blog posts really get into more detail, the types of things that we were talking about yes. today, yeah. using um, a different approach when looking at this problem. Mm-hmm. And I would say anyone who feels like this has been a pattern in their life, this has been something that's been following them around, yeah. something that causes them some degree of distress on yeah. some regular yeah. basis maybe it's time to look at it differently and try something completely different and just walk away from the numbers walk through your yeah. hide your scale yeah. under the bed at least you know and um couldn't agree more with that yeah hmm yeah
0: I like the fact that it is hard sometimes, isn't it, stepping outside of our comfort zone? So, if calorie counting, restrictive kind of work—that's yeah. what we've known. It, you know, we can be compassionate to the part of ourselves that might go, "Oh, I don't like change, and change is new, and is it going to work?" And all of it. You said we were talking before about all or nothing thinking, or like catastrophizing, the mm-hmm. snowballing. This is how it's going to be. Bringing it back to actually what matters to me. So there might be people here who go, "Hang on a minute, that's me. I am the person who's perhaps that with this for a long time, perhaps also had that." long-standing relationship with their body as well as their eating. That I'm just thinking that the smallest step you could do today is just log on to the website and start to read those blogs. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe mindfully with a warm drink. You know, yeah. I matter enough or I deserve to take some time to learn about this. You know, and I mm-hmm. what I really like is and I think that, you know, as a psychologist as well, and as just a person, I like to digest information first before looking at solutions. I want to know well, why will this work or mm-hmm. what's the formulation behind it?
1: Mm-hmm. So what I
0: really like is this idea that people can go have that what we call psychoeducation mm-hmm. and then they can start to make an informed choice about whether this is for them. But it can, I think it would be quite profound when you finally can step outside, as you say, of that conveyor belt, that treadmill you mentioned earlier and just yeah. be able to stop that drone metaphor is a lot to stop from it that drone was to just hover around and then we just stop what would it see where would it zone in on what are you Mm -hmm. noticing in your body your mind what Mm -hmm. what familiar about those habits and where Mm -hmm. else do you hang out if people want to find out kind of more about you in general as well um and your philosophies the rest of your work is just very interesting where else do you hang out where else do we find you
1: um, uh, we have Instagram okay. and, oh, well, we'll um, as well, so. okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. And those are, um, uh, those links are available from the website. It's noway.com. And, um, if anybody had any kind of question for me or comment, they could yes. contact me directly. I would love that. Okay. I would love really? to hear directly from someone. It's uh, Valerie at no way.com nice and easy so it's no way as in
0: weighing scales just for people in terms of the auditory spelling yes. of that.
1: <laughs> so i'm a big fan of play on words so yes <laughs> i love
0: it i absolutely that's what jumped out at me when you first made contact and i was just like, <laughs> I, really, I do like the kind of the way it all falls together quite nicely um and, yeah. the, and the play on words as well because one of the things that i think you know you do all sorts of stuff don't you you know as a behavior as i've had a background in behaviourism in in one of the jobs that I used to have, and I really love talking about human behaviour and the function, repeating Mm -hmm. patterns, is, you know, although we've talked about kind of weight today and your weight app, a lot of this can apply to so many different things in our life when we look at our unhelpful patterns of behaviour. And I'm just thinking, you know, even if someone's thinking, but maybe weight isn't something that's a particular issue for me, what they might get from just reading your blogs and learning about just human behaviour, in general mm-hmm. and 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 the way you know we can better understand it and make a bit of a core shift in how we live our lives and get a bit more value based living as a
1: result absolutely i love that value based living yeah. and that's really that's what behavior analysis is about it begins with yeah. Yeah. the positive reinforcement and yeah. recognizing that everyone is different everyone has their own tendencies yeah. and preferences yeah. yeah and that things are readily um, individualized if you just are approaching it from that that yeah. functional approach how how is this fitting into my life and yeah. what can I do to um, lessen the need to engage with this thing that I don't want to yeah. do and what kind of substitutions can I make um, but it's like um, it's a perspective it's a way of looking at things it's like once you see from this different perspective you yeah. can't unsee it you know, yeah. it's like a tool, yeah, like that. it's even like a tool, you know, like, mm-hmm. I feel stuck, I feel frustrated. Let me think about, um, you know, that, that little bit of information I heard about zooming out and looking over ahead. you know, from a, from a drone perspective, and what kind of information does that provide me, and any kind of awareness will change you, it'll, it'll adjust your direction, and then what you pay attention yes. to next. There's just any small ab- amount of application will affect um, yeah. a person and, and how they feel stuck with their problem.
0: I know it's a bit cheesy, but that kind of knowledge is power idea. You yeah. Know, but- <laughs> sometimes we get stuck in unhelpful behavior patterns and we haven't got the ability to be able to step outside and learn, why am I doing this? And, and sometimes through fear, natural fear, anxiety, we just get very stuck on solving the problem without actually educating ourselves to see what's going on. And I was thinking, you know, if, if anything today, just, have a little log on to one of your blogs and just have a look. It's a philosophy as well, isn't it? whats mm-hmm. is, People might not know what behaviourism is or how it works, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, what a behavioural analysis would look like. And I think it's, it could be such an interesting thing mm-hmm. um, and so, so useful. But I love the fact that behaviourism goes alongside values for you as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a framework you can apply to help you to lead a kind of more value made in life. So I know I've asked you loads of stuff. and We've had loads of lovely, amazing points. If there was like one adversity takeaway that you could leave us
1: with, what would it be? Mm. Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Start there. Reconnect yeah. with who you are. Do make decisions so that you can feel more like you and pursue that feeling. And yeah. if you're pursuing that feeling, you're going to, you're going to end up where you want to be. You yeah. don't have to control yeah. yourself. You yeah. don't have to have control, complete control over what happens in your day. Yeah. If, if you're tr- pursuing who you are as a person and that authentic feeling, then um, you're going to be headed in the right direction.
0: I like that. I'm going to take that away with me <laughs> this mm-hmm. afternoon. I really like that. I, <laughs> definitely we'll have to have you back on if you'd like to come again because I could talk about this literally all day and is it all right to say for our listeners you have the most awful cough bless you and you have so persevered during this podcast oh I'm so sorry you <laughs> don't mind that being out there yes, I just no, think wow, you're the most resilient guest I've ever had for just getting on with it
1: <laughs> I'm sure they can hear the cough drop in my mouth and, and something and
0: I'm... about your values and wanting to get you know what you know out there to people to help them get that you know value-laden life Life, even when you're not feeling well as well oh, lovely. thank you
1: for being <laughs> such a gracious host oh, I've really
0: enjoyed talking to you so hopefully fingers thank crossed you know. I'm doing that on screen that you, I've got it in audio now come back on again and we'll um, have more discussion as well but thank you so much for coming on it's really lovely to meet you as well and for getting up super early because you're quite a few hours behind us here in the UK aren't you
1: oh yeah we were up very early anyway so <laughs>
0: Life with kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Thank absolutely. you so much, Bella. It's you. lovely to
1: have you on. Thank you. Thank you very much
0: thank you for listening to the adversity psychologist podcast I'm dr. Tara Quinterillo and it's been lovely having you along to listen to this episode if you want to find more about me you can find me at drtara.co.uk so you'll see everything I'm up to my media work my collaborations my clinical work if you're interested in that and of course all the other episodes of the adversity psychologist podcast if you're interested in coming on you can also contact me and let me know what you would like to come and talk about I love to hear from you.